0: Welcome to the podcast Think Biblically Conversations on Faith and Culture. I'm your host, Scott Ray, Dean of Faculty and Professor of Christian Ethics here at
1: Talbot School of Theology at Biola University. And I'm your co host, Sean McDowell, Professor of Apologetics at Talbot School of Theology, Biola University. We're here today with
0: two very special guests, Adam Donye and Derek Darrell, who are the co authors of a fascinating new book that links basketball, friendship, and racial reconciliation together called Win by Two. Uh, it's just a, it's a fabulous story, very compelling about how they met and became friends uh, and, and, and sort of served the Lord together uh, and just this incredible friendship that developed out of their sort of chance meeting on a, on a basketball court. So let me ask both of you just to start with, it's a fascinating story and I understand why you, you, know, why you wanted to get the story out. But uh, you know, writing a book on it is is a lot of work. It's a lot of effort. Uh what motivated you to actually take the time and effort to write the book to get this story out at this time?
2: Yeah, well, this is Adam. COVID really helped that. There was a quarantine and uh my heartbeat was to help Derek in in any way that I could and just get his story out there because I think his story's so powerful and compelling and I got to play a small part of it. And so it, the motivation was really hopefully to give Derek some more opportunities like this, where he gets to get on a podcast or he's even gotten a couple of speaking opportunities to just share his story in, in a time where I feel like our country desperately needs to come together rather than continually divide that wedge. And so I don't want to answer for Derek. So, Derek, you can kind of speak into your motivation for letting us get the story out.
3: It's really just simple. All right. For example. It's really about timing, and I can only speak honestly from my point of view. So, in the past, in my culture, which I don't believe in being a victim, I've seen a whole lot of people that look just like me. You know, I mean, that's just how it went in the inner city. You see a whole lot of people. But then, once upon a time, I met this guy named Adam don't you How we met is how we met basketball, whatever, like that. In my heart, it had to be, it's a rapper, I used to like Nate nods and he had a title called It Was Written. I'm a firm believer that it was written in stone that me and Adam met, because it never made no sense how we met, you hear me? <laughs> but we met. And in the process of, of meeting, over time, all that culture stuff for me, although it still exists, went out the window because it really made sense that when you look at the Bible, how God made no difference between the Jews and the Gentiles because of the investment of the time between the two of us. You know, I mean, this man was a great asset to my life with just being himself. Like, we weren't doing nothing extra. It's just what was valuable were time. He was not acting he was authentic. Hmm. And a lot of things in my background lacks trust. You don't trust people. It can start directly in your household. You don't trust people. So if you have to, you can cut me off in regards to the way I talk, but I'm telling you the truth, how this played out for me, at least. You know, it's deeper than a basketball game. Although it started with a basketball game that he was the oddball that came to the court, (laughs) you know? And what I mean is I'm like, he's just standing over there and I'm looking at him and he's trying to have games. Well, I'm pretty sure all over the place, you know, I've been to Venice Beach, you know, sometimes it's hard to get Rick, you know, and I'm over here like, well, why can't he play? So then I pick some up on my team because I'm a dominant figure there. And in my mind, I can win with anybody. Well, you would have thought this was a reenactment of White Man Can't Jump. (laughs) (laughs) And we were running the scam artists because I have a brother who is very, 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 very talented streetball player. And for some reason, here, Adam, here, yeah, you can hold him. I'm thinking, yeah, your hand's about to be full anyway. But uh, (laughs) my arrogance is that we'll win regardless. The funny part to this story is, though, guys, Adam can play defense.
4: <laughs>
3: you know, and I didn't know that Adam's giving my brother a hard time on defense, and my brother's nice. But then, guess what else Adam can do? Adam can shoot. <laughs> guess who knows none of this? All this may seem small to some. So we're playing ball. Before you know it, we're casually talking. St- I I say this much timing, because at the end of the day, not to be emotional, you're talking to a guy. Who had all the trust issues in the world. But you can hear from me first. Hey man, in this day and age, y'all, you give people their flowers while they there. I love Adam Lee Donye. Hmm. That is my brother. He means the
1: world to me. Derek, it's so moving to hear you say that. Let me let, let me take a step back because I wanna hear about both of your backgrounds. But first, Adam, to paint this picture, you and I have something in common. Our our wives have the same name. We drive basically the same car, and we're both short, white, scrappy point guards. I played at Biola. You played at a D1, higher level. Uh, So tell us a little bit of your background, your love for the game, and why you chose to even go play in a place where you first met Derek.
2: Yeah, thanks for asking, Sean. Sean. You know, I, I grew up in a broken family. Uh, actually, not too far from you in Spring Valley, California, and it, it, it was basketball saved me from a lot of other ills. And so, uh, what I mean by that is I, I have some family members that chose drugs and alcohol and abusive, broken relationships. And so, I idolized basketball. And I think, in a unique way, God protected me through His grace through the game of basketball. And so, rather than going to prom or chasing girls I was I was in the gym shooting shots and and so from there uh I got to go to Boise State and play basketball at Boise State uh from playing at Boise State I ended up in the Midwest because I met Joe White uh president of Canica Camps at a Promise Keepers event that he was speaking at actually with your dad Josh McDowell and uh, I met Joe at that event, and Joe told me about Canica camps. And so upon graduation from Boise State, I came out here and started working the camps. And then I needed to figure out what I was going to do during the year. So I turned down a DOP job, a director of operations job at a Division One school, and decided to mentor and coach uh, high school kids in Branson area at a place called Hollister, did that for four years. and then I got hired after that to be the head varsity coach up at Kansas City Christian where I met Derek and I was, like the book says, I was sitting in my house grading papers. And I looked out and I got tired of grading English papers and I wanted to go play. And these guys had some intense pickup going and I still had a little bit of gas in the tank to play. And so uh, I went over there and and started playing with them. And and as the story unfolds, I just built this phenomenal relationship with Derek, who I also too love dearly. yeah, and so that that's the that's the Spark Notes version of how this whole thing went down from my side.
1: Is it fair to say, Adam, that you went and played at pickup games that normally somebody from a Christian school who was white just probably wouldn't go play? Like is that fair? Like it's a surprise to see you kind of show up and want a ball there?
2: Yeah, yeah, Sean. There there's no question. And and the funny thing is, and, and people should read the book if they get a chance, not because I think I'm a great writer, but because of the story is God's story. And so many people at the court, Sean and, and Derek would tell you this, so many of them thought I was an undercover cop for a little while. <laughs> like they, they, they were looking at me, and so they, they're like, who, who, who is this dude? Is he an undercover cop? Like, what, what, why, why, why is he hanging out? Why is he watching us? Like, what's going on? And so, yeah, no, no doubt. It was, it was not where you would find most Christian guys looking to find pickup games. They would more likely be going to the rec on the other side of the state line.
1: Now, Derek, you described when you saw Adam show up and learning that he could ball, and I've played with him in a firm that he can ball, but let me tell you, do you mind sharing a little bit of your background experience? You mentioned a couple times just trust being an issue with people and how that went into meeting Adam.
3: So when this book got started, there was still, I would say, a lot of pain within me, even though I was fighting it because... I had a lot of grieving going on, but I had to resist it. I fight the grieving because of the particular living situation I had. So my grieving had delayed. So it's like, as I read the book, or as I think about the book, I always ask myself these questions. It's like, Do you have a psych evaluation, hypothetically speaking. Well, one year later, they give you the same test, just worded differently. You get to see how much your answers can change, you see? So now I, I'm going to have you do me a favor. Re-ask me that same question so I can become more focused on your actual answer rather than making it your own out. What, what did you originally just ask me?
1: Oh, yeah, that's fair. I was. Uh, we heard a little bit of Adam's background that he brought to this relationship he met with you. What would you be willing to share that you're comfortable with of your background that you brought to this relationship meeting Adam?
3: Okay, I'll give you this much. All right, I'm pretty, I don't know how the word is, not the most emotional person, but ever since meeting Adam and, like, another family, the Donyes, like, honestly, I mean, the Donyes the Macadonies, I didn't used to hug people.
4: Wow.
3: <laughs> you know? No, what I'm getting at is I wasn't a guy that, you know, I could come down the court. Might dunk on three people in a high school game. Everybody on the team do not do not slap his butt. You see, like I I was just one of those kids. It would not to be tough. It's because of different things that happened in the past. Like I didn't hug people. Adam, Lee Donier, the Macadownies, the Jensens. Basically, it's almost like they're saying it's okay. Like I I I mean I'm gonna tell you how far I've came. I'm one of those people. I never forget going to counseling, and I, I keep a wall up. And the counselor, who was a KU fan, and I'm a diehard KU fan, he says to me something, and I goes, I don't really follow because men, men always let you down. You can't believe in me." And I never forget. He says, "That's not always true, like, but I could tell you really believe that." And I said, "I base it on facts and experience." So I look at these years later, right, and I said. Do I still feel that way? So I'm in a meeting last week talking about something. And as I'm talking to a particular person, I make this phrase as their name name dropping all these people. I say, I trust Adam Lee, Donye. Just came out like that. January 23rd, 1980. I didn't know they were writing it down. And they like, do you trust me? And I say, well, I had to get to know you. What I'm getting at is, what's understood don't have to be explained. So you say, what comes into this particular situation? Adam didn't even beat me down with Christianity. That's what people might not understand. I grew up going to church, but it was like a go through the motion. Your mama said go to church on Sunday. Your mama drove the church van. Your mama, you uh, didn't have no choice. And then you got to see what people do after church. So me. Being guilty. I'm judging people based upon their actions away from church. So I thought it was just fraud. When well, you get Adam, <laughs> believe it or not, <laughs> the weirdest thing in America to, for me at the time brought me a sneaker to the park. I'm thinking, why is this guy bringing me a sneaker to the park? <laughs> like, you know, I, like, I mean, it, it never made no sense. And it's not like he brought me a sneaker and stepped to the side to give it to me. He gave it to me in front of everybody. Now the sneaker was good too, don't get me wrong. <laughs> you know, but <laughs> I mean, you know, it was delicious. You know, and for some reason it's almost like my favorite candy now. But for some reason, I don't I don't know if that my street savvy came upon him. It always goes back and said it was written because guess what? Adam said to me for who I am and sink something in me that I could be more than what I am. Hmm. And one of the best attributes I can tell you about Adam, I don't even know if this is answering your question. Due to situations in my life, if it was nine people at the park and I was the 10th person, and not to pat myself on the back, I was a pretty good basketball player, especially in streetball. It was nothing in the world you could give me to do to play basketball until I played with my youngest son for at least 30 to 45 minutes. So just imagine if you play competitive basketball, you like, dude, we are trying to play basketball. I didn't care what you were trying to do. My son needed my time. One day Adam comes up to me. I thought he's about to be like these annoying people and thought he had some type of conversation to convince me to play. And instead, he heard me out, and his words was, "Kids do need their fathers." And he said, "That's a good look." Amen. And some, some, some. Those words do you understand me, carry so much weight, and who would ever have thought that when my son turned one, his very first birthday cake, he came from Adam Le Don't yet. Hmm. Unexpectedly. So this ain't about sit up here, let me praise Adam. You know, as I do joke and say, well, he might be the last Adam, you know, from a biblical standpoint. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't about gassing up Adam or whatever, because none of us is perfect. It's called, you give a person their flowers while they can smell them. Because 8 billion people coming to my funeral carries no weight for me because last time I checked is I'm dead. And who knows what's in the afterlife. Hmm. But as for him, I can't answer what I brought to the table other than me being real. I told him the truth who I was. The biggest compliments he gave me was when I told him that I was in trouble with the law. I thought he was faking you know, he didn't believe me. I did not know I had changed that much. And I was like, that was like the biggest compliment. Like, he he was like, yeah, right. And I'm like, no, I really am. And you know, like, I really am. And it shocked me. And I remember that night thinking, dang, so everybody don't look at you and think something bad? Because before I was ever in trouble with the law, I swear for God, the society I was living in, Man, you got harassed for cops for nothing, just for walking down the street. And I'm not a guy who bashed cops. This is just my reality. It's, it's my story. You know, at the end of the day, these are true facts.
0: Adam, uh, question for you. One of the really interesting parts of the story is how you and Derek ended up coaching together at the Christian high school that you were coaching at. And, and so it's kind of a very interesting turn turn of events how— you know, you you sort of, you sort of wandered into to Derek's world on the on the street court, and then he comes into your world coaching at this Christian high school, this predominantly white environment. Uh how did, how did that come about for you guys to coach together and what was that experience like for the two of you?
2: <laughs> Scott, thanks so much for for asking that question. Um Yeah, so I I didn't know how it was going to go. I I just knew Derek was really knowledgeable about basketball. Uh, I needed an assistant coach. Um, I I valued him. Our friendship was growing. And so I took a huge shot in the dark and and I walked in to my superintendent's office and and said, hey, I I think I found the guy for my assistant. He said, really? And I said, yeah. He goes, well, I need to interview him. And I said, I know, but there's one caveat. He,
1: he, said, he said,
2: what's that? And I said, he's, he's a convicted felon. <laughs> and he looked at me and, <laughs> and, and, and he said, and you think we should hire him at a private Christian school? And I looked back at him and I said, wasn't that exactly where we should hire him?
1: Exactly. And, exactly. That's right. And,
2: and, and, and he, he kind of froze for a minute and, and he said, I'll, I'll need to meet with him. And, and he met with him. He was blown away. He, he was blown away with, with Derek's humility, with Derek's countenance. And, you know, what was really neat about it, Scott, was it? you saw transformation begin in Derek at this point because the tide was shifting where he was getting an opportunity to succeed in the right way. And the the players at our school absolutely loved him. He got to be a part of some different retreats and culture things he'd never engaged in before. and. Uh, it was really neat to see how transformative that process began to be for Derek.
1: Derek, I'd love to hear from your perspective what it was like stepping into a different setting, different community, and not knowing how people maybe perceived you or didn't perceive you. Share a little insight what it's like from your your side.
3: Don't get me started. It was trash. It was straight bullcrap. <laughs> oh, man.
4: <laughs>
3: uh, I'm just messing with you, man. I warned you earlier. I like that joke. All right, now, let me start over, and I'm going to try to be quick. One, this is the the behind-the-scenes stories. I didn't believe it was possible. You hear me? Uh I might have even showed up late. You hear me thinking, like, there's no way in the world. (laughs) If I'm correct, I'm like, there's no way. And I'm like, who does this dude think he is? Super Dave Armstrong. You can get me hired at a private Christian school. And guess who? No, this... These are the behind the scenes. Like, I was so scared to tell people that I was really going there. And guess what? I went there. I talked to the guy. I'm always, I'm, I'm, especially back then, I was always dressed for the occasion. He'll tell you. I have always, I made sure I got my suit on. I got my desk on. I got my dad on. Make a long story short, they hire me. <laughs> so when they hire me, this reality check comes in. I'm gonna go a little bit further. I'm like, hold on, man. This is God. Like, how is this happening? And I'm remembering the first time I really prayed. And I'm like, are you sick? I'm starting to put things together. You know, I'm like, whoa, crazy. Do you forgot the prayer? Did you forget the prayer? It's almost like a reminder. So now I go to the school. I stick out like a sore thumb. But. I will not focus on the negative because there were families there that were kind to me. Hmm. Okay. Now I I didn't, it's not fair because I'm like, that dude's name, Captain America. I got my shield. You say, who's my shield It's Adam Lee. You hear me? (laughs) I got Adam. All right. I also got Christ the closer I got to him. So if anything went weird, I'm knowing I can go be honest with Adam. But then there were some families there who really were pretty, you know, cool. Now, there were some situations, but that's not for neither here nor there. But what it gave me was a perspective to see something I didn't have growing up. There, you there, might have kids on the table. You,
2: you and Sean just instantly became best friends. You just mixed theology with Marvel.
4: There you <laughs> go. You guys just became best friends.
3: <laughs> so you get, you, get, you get the fact that I see all these fathers that come there and parents that come there. And so many kids didn't get that much clock right. Whereas the way I grew up, he averaged 29 points per game in high school. And his parents might not even be there to know. Wow. Well, hmm. so as I'm sitting on a bench and I'm looking at these particular things, I realize these are times to talk to kids about being confident without being arrogant. And I realized I can communicate with these kids without every other word being vulgar, you know. You know, I don't have to go out here and throw a chair like Bob Knight. I have to go out there, but I can still challenge these kids just to look at the area and say, I want more without putting them down. Like I'm you get mm-hmm. what I'm saying, just teaching them to the excel. Yeah. Well these are things that yeah. not only are they learning from me, I'm learning for myself, you know. And these were, these were these were good deals, you know. And as I'm looking around, I said, man, family really goes out here and support kids, even if their kids don't get off the bench. And I'm like laughing at first, and I'm yeah. thinking, this is pretty, you know, this is pretty neat, you know, just to support. Mm. You know, and it, it started teaching me a lot of things about awareness and character, and then more or less watching him and when I talk about this particular guy, once again, who was so ambitious because he was more than just a coach, you know, for me at least, he was more than just a head coach in his team. To see him deal with parents attacking him, even him being attacked about hiring me, because everything was not peaches and cream, you see, and how he stood strong. Even when it was times in my heart, he would have loved to fold. You know, and these are discussions we've never had before. But I feel like it would just have been a lot easier for him to fold. But he's still strong. And the the problem with it is, I would have easily allowed him to fold. Because nothing was more valuable than my relationship with this young man we're referring to on his phone. And over time, I realized this phrase he loves to say for life. That you know, as much as you feel about him, have you realized, that he feels the same way about you? Mm -hmm. There's nothing Mm -hmm. better than to love, but yet be loved back.
1: Amen. That's
3: priceless.
1: Hey, Derek, how tall are you? About 6'4, maybe a little taller. About 6'4. Okay. Gotcha. Hey, we're going to move on to a couple other issues, but can you paint the picture, Adam? when you're in that game moment and you basically turn the clipboard over as the head coach for Derek to coach. I love this moment. I felt like this is like a Hoosiers moment when Gene Hackman gets himself kicked out of the game. So the assistant steps up, like paint that picture and how that went for us.
2: Yeah, I can, I can remember it like it was yesterday. We were, we were playing at a school that was about two hours North of us and we're on the bus and Derek that day drove behind us so he could get home faster because he lived in a little different direction than we did. So he wasn't on the bus. He was driving directly behind us following the bus to the game. And I walked to the back of the bus with all of the players and the Lord, i would just been praying on the bus and the Lord had laid on my heart to to allow Derek to coach. So I went back to the players and I said, Hey, fellas, the Lord really laid it on my heart to have Derek coach you guys tonight. One player looked at me and said, you know this is for the conference championship.
4: Wow! I said I'm,
2: I'm very aware of that. <laughs> I'm very aware of that. And and uh, and then all of them said we're in, Coach. We're 100 percent in. So we get to the venue and we get in the locker room, and I and I hand Derek the dry erase marker, and I said you're coaching tonight, and he looks at me and says you got jokes, and I said no, I, I'm de- I'm dead <laughs> serious. I don't got you're, you're coaching tonight. He's like, what well, do you mean I'm coaching? Like I'm with. I said, no. I'm sitting on the other end of the bench. You're sitting there. To make matters even more interesting, the coach he was coaching against that night was one of the all-time high school winningest coaches in Kansas State history.
1: Oh my goodness!
2: Yes, and so he, when Derek realizes he's really coaching, he's in his three-piece suit. Now I can start to see the sweat beads starting to come on his forehead. <laughs>
4: because usually he's just chilling,
2: he's having fun, he ain't nervous. And so um, he, he did a phenomenal job, and I sit on the end bench, and I even told the, the very well-known coach, I said, hey, I'm, I'm not coaching tonight. No disrespect to you. I just think this coach has earned this opportunity, coach. And um, he didn't like that. There was one time that the opposing coach literally marched where he was within three feet of Derek yelling and screaming at the refs, and they didn't even tee him up, which was just oh, kind of crazy how much power this coach had. And it was a tight game at half. Uh, Derek ends up rallying them, calling the right plays to finish the game. They win the the regular season conference championship, and and I go back in the locker room. and I just tear up. Like I, I just I couldn't handle it. Wow. And I'm sitting here looking at Derek have success, good, the right kind of success for the first time in his life. And um, it was just, it was just one of those God moments where where Sean, you step back and you're just like that. That's unbelievable. What just happened.
0: That's quite, that's quite a moment. And, uh, Derek, I'm sure that's a, that's a memory you'll have for a long time, too. Yes. It, 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 what was that like for you stepping in for him?
3: Well, thank you for asking, because now I'm going to tell you my point of view. <laughs> uh, well, and I'm going to watch all my language because I was very, very caught off guard because what I like to do behind the scenes, right, a lot of the times I drove to games is because I had a father who did drugs, right? And I wanted my father who really wasn't in my life to see the changes I made, you know? So behind the scenes, after I'm driving back, or I would drive all these weird hours at games. I would sneak out to see my father and talk to my father. And if you remember, Adam, he started coming to the games too. Yep. You know, And this mattered to me because you only had one father and we weren't close at all. But that mattered to me because if I could change, I wanted him to see these things. Hmm. I had no clue. I remember Adam calling me up to these bleachers and he's telling me this. He's very right. I thought it was a joke. The background of everything was going on was real. I was full of anxiety. And I took pride in being sharp like Shannon Rich like Gannon. You probably don't get the slang what I just used, but... I took pride in being very dressed like Pat Riley without the slick back here, you know, for the games, you know. But as an assistant coach, next year, you know, I'm actually out here and Adams telling me what to do. Well, I had a cheat code in my head <laughs> once I realized, because I really didn't believe him until it happened. I did not believe him until happened. I'm like, if this ain't an April Fool's joke, I ain't never seen one. This is the funny part, and I'm gonna cut this story in a second. As I was getting nervous, I looked at the star player of the team, 101, and his name was Ryan McAdown. And I looked at, I think, a Carter Pazladek, and I said, hey, I'm going to do the best I can. And one suggestion, pretty much, do not lose this game for me, okay? <laughs> 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 and, and Ryan Macadani would tell you, I remember him telling me this, I said, you don't want to lose anyway. And Ryan gave me a hug and said, I would die on this court before I lose this game for you. Wow. And I said, that's all I need to hear. And we somehow won this game. But when it really overwhelmingly hit me, was that drive home is that he trusted me to do this. And he's not lying. That guy was standing real close to me. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you the truth. There was a culture clash. But the one thing I took pride in was not embarrassing that mm. because coming from, come from, you can only imagine the thoughts going through my head, you know, Sure. because I'm like, in my mind, the nicest way to put it first off, you need to fall back. But it would have never been said that nice, you know, because some of these schools to be predominantly white, man, they said things that were cruel, you know, yep. and Adam knows what I'm talking about. They like picked at the players they like, you know, it was like weird how this went. Like, growing up where I grew up at, that was almost like normal. You had parents out here yelling and cussing their kids and stuff. I wasn't expecting that at these schools. But back to your point, on my way home, I like bawled. Because I'm like, he was willing to risk that for me. And it goes back to this phrase, like, what makes me so worthy? And then it's like I have to give my Lord and Savior who bled on the cross for six hours for the sake of all of us the glory. Hmm. And that's my Jesus Christ, because I know what it's like to when I thought Jesus was just a crutch. But I don't believe Jesus is just a crutch. I don't believe in none of that stuff. Even when it comes to everything that's going on political, not to get too far gone, as I always tell people, I remember when my guy said, we already have a king, but we assisted on having don't have but we already hang a king. And so at the end of the day, my king is my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The invisible God manifested in the flesh. That's who I trust. That's who I trust. And I've seen those particular things playing out over time when I least inspected it. You, 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 you Can you get where I'm coming from? Amen. I do. I, I yeah,
1: do. Derek, you're not only a coach; you got a little preacher in you. I love it. <laughs> he does. I love what you're you're proclaiming, and we we are going longer than we normally do. But there's a question I just want each of you to maybe briefly answer, if you don't mind, is what have you learned about rec- racial reconciliation from this relationship and this experience? Why, why don't you start, uh, Adam, and then we'll go to Derek?
2: Yeah, I, I would tell you that there there's a lot more fear on both sides that needs to be broken down. And what I mean by that is one thing, Sean, it frustrates me when people say they don't see color because I do see color, but I see that it's beautiful. It's it's Imago day. It's unique. Mm. It's, it's, it's God created Derek Durrell, beautiful, black, just the way he is. And so I don't say I don't see color. I do, but I also see color as him in the image of God. And so for me, it really encouraged me if I'd be willing to step out of my comfort zone, walk in someone else's shoes, go into Derek's hood, be around his friends, be around his people. It helped me have a further understanding that I never would have cultivated had I not been willing to fully engage that and allow news or social media or other people dictate how I view a certain people. And so for, for me, it's done a, God's done an amazing work in my heart through the process. Mm. He's given me a huge passion to see everyone through the lens of Imago Day and, and just how beautiful God's people are. And they, it, and at the time, uh, Derek wasn't pursuing Jesus, that that God wants to reconcile people to himself. And it doesn't matter if they're green, yellow, orange, God wants to reconcile people to himself. And if we allow fear to hinder that Sean it won't happen as we know in second Timothy 1:7 that God did not give us a spirit of fear but a spirit of power and love and self-discipline so if I engage Derek with love and and discipline and courage it's amazing to see what God has
1: done amen i love that Derek may, maybe share something you've learned about racial reconciliation from this relationship
3: i'm one of the people who believe in just for me i just like to thought of having a level playing field favorite subject history and I just didn't like the way things were portrayed. Reconciliation and dealing with Adam, it taught me to be able to trust. And dealing with the Macadonis, it taught me the ability to trust because there people who are not black. But the first people I never trusted were actually black. That's the funny part about it. I had trust issues to begin with. So, hmm. racial conciliation, for me at least, is that just treat people fairly and. I couldn't find a greater friend than Adam. And I can name a few others that are Caucasian. And that's probably like, I'm trying not to over-talk a subject because sure. I feel like you're saying we're on a time limit. And I only know how to talk how I talk. I like to talk naturally <laughs> and realistic. I don't like to be programmed. Sure, That's why I'd be like, I'd be like, Yeah, sure y'all want me on the podcast? Because if, if you want me to talk, I want to speak my mind. I don't want to be controlled, you know? Sure. I'm like, but in reality, like, It's almost like the same kind of difference. I've seen particular things in Adam's life over time that are personal. And I'm like, wow, how we could go through some of the same things in its own unique way. You know, and little do you know until you talk, until you meet, we're all strangers, you know, how relatable things can really be. Mm -hmm. Because like you say, I don't see colors. That's like saying you don't see shapes. Yeah, we see color at the end of the day, we shouldn't be judged based upon that because we're all created by the God himself. Mm. I'm like, now, come on, that. how can we sit here and act like that? Well, I'm from, we'll say, an area, Chillicothe, and we're in Chillicothe, there's no black people. And that's their excuse. But then I'll say, well, I'm from 12th Street and I don't see white people. And then that's my excuse. Hold on, though, but on 12th Street or Chillicothe, Missouri, we all got the same 66 books in the Bible. So to me, that's a piece of crap. That's my opinion. Because if we're really studying God and loving God the way we're supposed to love God and understanding the Jews and the Gentiles, come on, man, you're just making up excuses. Mm -hmm. Because my God believes in one race. That's Derek Darrell's personal opinion. There's no justification for the way we try to justify how things are or aren't. And that's my opinion. So race, racial conciliation, I love Adam just as much as I love my blood brothers. In some cases, probably even more. Mm-hmm. I love the macadonis mm-hmm. They are my family. You know, I mean, they are. You know, and they're, last time I checked, they're not black. But you know what? I don't have to keep breaking that down. Well, hey, I have this one white friend. Named Adam. No, I, I have a friend named Adam. Point blank is simple. I don't have to keep describing these particular colors or whatever like that. And you know, once upon a time, when I first met Adam, I thought he was the police. (laughs) You know, this this, 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 is a true story. This is a true story. I had, you know, so it lets you know how much further I've changed. Like, you know, but that's a good thing. Because man has a plan, but God has a better plan. Mm. That's just how I surely feel. Hey
1: Amen. That's a great line to wrap up on. This is officially the longest podcast we've ever done, Scott. And the reason for that is this is a beautiful, beautiful story. Yeah. This This is also one of the best stories we've had on today. That's exactly why we're doing it. Because, you know, as you all know, there's so much just division and racial... You know, just unrest right now. And the two of you are saying, you know what, we're going to take a risk. We're going to build a relationship. We're going to listen to each other. We're both going to be challenged. We're both going to grow. I think it's just a biblical example. And it's also, you know it's a great read. So I hope our listeners will pick up Win by Two by Adam Donier and by Derek Darill. It's just a great read. Even if you're not a basketball fan, Scott and I are big hoops fans. You will thoroughly enjoy the story and just be motivated by it. And guys, when I was reading a few times, just even being moved to tears of how much you see the gospel coming through. So deeply appreciate both of you. And again, hope our audience will pick up a copy of the book, Win by Two. So uh, Adam and Derek, thanks so much for coming on. Scott,
2: Sean, appreciate you guys so much. Thank you. Truly mean it. All right. Thank you very much. And
3: before you go, remember, this guy came and visited me when I was incarcerated on his own dime you see love you Derek I mean he I mean it's a it's a it's a lot to this story for me you know I mean, it's a lot of things that he just did you know naturally you know before before ever a book even came across you see it's like some things just last forever and that's this friendship you know hey but thanks for the time
0: that's why we want our listeners to get the book because there's a lot there's a lot more in the book than we've had time to cover here It's, it's just a terrific story
1: Thank you, Scott. And what's great about it, it's on Amazon. You can find it. This is not a program. It just comes from your heart, Adam. And that's really where it begins, a heart to love people. So you guys are awesome. Really appreciate you guys coming on. This has been an episode of the podcast, Think Biblically, conversations on faith and culture. To learn more about us and today's guests, Adam Donier and Derek Durrill, and to find more episodes, go to biola.edu forward slash think biblically. That's biola.edu forward slash think biblically. If you enjoyed today's conversation, give us a rating on your podcast app and share it with a friend. Thanks for listening. And remember, think biblically about everything.